For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. All right, guys, welcome back. Earn your leisure. You got a very special episode. Yeah, you are, yeah. We back again. Yeah, yeah for sure. So, you know, the thing with Earn Your Leisure is that we try to cover every area yeah. of business and finance. And um, there's always something, just when you think you covered something, there's always <laughs> something crazy. else to cover. Yeah. Yeah. So, today's going to be something that we haven't covered at all yet. Not I, I mean, it's like one of them topics that we never even think about, really. I scratch my head thinking about it. I'm like, oh, damn, yeah. Now nah, there's money in that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's money. It's money in everything. <laughs> right? For sure. So, we have a very special guest today, Chantel Calloway. First and foremost, thank you. Thank you. Welcome, welcome. So blessed to be here. Thank you, guys. Yes. Yeah, so, the creator of Rhyme Antics, which is a board game um, based around hip-hop that promotes uh, literacy, correct? Yes, that's exactly what it is. Well, I yep. love that. Yep. I love that. Education so, um, all the way. Yeah, mm-hmm. so she's been all over the place. I see um, you have Black Enterprise right up. Congratulations, yeah. The Breakfast Club. Uh, um, and then you was on Brilliant Idiots as well, right? I was, yeah. Oh, you're moving. Shout out to Charlamagne. Now, this is the full circle now. You made yeah. you on Air Leisure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted to be here, so thank That's you. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, so it's a, it's a really big deal. She's one of only, I did some research, one of only three black uh, board game designers to make it to Big Box. We're no, gonna talk- no, I'm one of three black uh, toy, black toy company owners to okay. ever get into. But um, Lonnie Johnson is an inventor. And Dr. Johnson is, has a game company, but then I am I have a game as well. Yeah, Lonnie okay. Johnson of uh, Super Soaker Super fan. Soaker. Oh, we yeah, had a yeah, bunch of those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we're going to talk about your Target deal that yes. you just closed on. Big time. Yeah. Big time. Amazing. Yeah. For sure. So, all 2020 right. has been great so far. <laughs> yeah, it's going to keep rolling. <laughs> so, we'll back up a little bit. All right. So, what made you want to do, first of all, can you just explain briefly, like, what exactly is the game, like, in detail? Absolutely. So... Rhyme Antics is a dope party game. It's also a classroom game. Um, And so it's a vocabulary game inspired by hip hop where you have to rap in proper English. So you have to spit bars in proper English and two teams rap rap battle in like a cypher setting. Mm -hmm. And it's like facilitated by what you call the scorekeeper who kind of is like the MC between the two teams battling mm-hmm. and but you just got spit bars in proper english while you listen to these music instrumentals it's really fun but it's very challenging because it makes you think and use your brain which is something a lot of us aren't doing these days <laughs> yeah, so, so we, you could bring this into the classroom oh absolutely yeah okay. a lot of teachers are using it just to engage the kids i actually created a curriculum around the game and i teach literacy programming at boys and girls clubs oh nice is your background in education do you have any no it's not i'm just i was a scholar like in school I did very well in school and um, I always was an avid reader and I always had like an affection with like words I love words I loved vocabulary it was like my favorite subject in school nice and then I'm a hip-hop head so we got that in common yes (laughs) yes I'm a huge hip-hop head so you know um, lyrical geniuses really 
um, fascinate me and inspire me. And so I created the game for the inner rapper and all of us because <laughs> I have no bars. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, so, the, so the game is, is mostly based to help English, right? Yes, help definitely. Yep. And okay. So what, what was the process of actually getting a game up and running? Because a lot of times people have ideas in their head and it could be a variety of different things, but it's one thing to have an idea and it's another thing to actually bring it to market and actually have a product. So what's the process from, okay, I think this is a good idea to where you're at now. So first it was like an idea, just an idea that sat in my family for about seven years. My dad came up with this call and response rap game during Thanksgiving. And we as a family were just really tired of playing like taboo and catchphrase, right? Because mm-hmm. we've been playing those games for years. And they're fun, but, you know, we just was tired of it. So my dad, who's a, an amazing creative genius, um, kind of came up with this call and response rap game. And every time we got together thereafter as a family, we always wanted to play the game because we have so much fun playing it, mm-hmm. right? And then, um, so it sat in the family for a long time. And... I believe it was when Words with Friends came out and um, I started to pay attention to like the game market and the industry and I saw how much obscene amounts of money that they were making, like Words with Friends. And I was How like, much money did, did, were they making? Oh my God, they were making like $250,000 a day just off downloads. And What's those. Words with Friends? You don't remember that? No. That game was crazy. It was yeah, like Scrabble. It's, it's Scrabble. It's a digital phone. version of Scrabble. Yeah, I still remember my high school on the word. It was like... 269 points. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it, it was really fun and engaging. You can play it on cross platforms yep. with, with your friends. Um, and I was like, but wait, this is just Scrabble in a digital version. And then they came out with Draw Something, which was Pictionary as a digital version. And that was killing them. And then, you know, it was really when the games, online uh, mobile app games really started to bubble. And I started like thinking like, okay, all these games that are coming out are really just reiterations of things that already exist. There mm. was nothing really new. And then I started researching board games and I saw that everything had kind of just been around for a really, really long time. There was no real innovation until I believe the game um, Cards Against Humanity came out. And then you saw like a kind of a resurgence of like this fun party game. Um, And so it's interesting because the board game market specifically has been on a steady increase over the past five years. Yeah. so when people, it's, it's a very viable market. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because like when I think when, especially this generation thinks games, they think in video games. Mm-hmm. But you looked at it and said, nah, I'm going to go in this route. Mm-hmm. And I think one of, one of the reasons for the rise, and maybe I'm wrong, but it's like that brings families together. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like it's just not like the Thanksgiving thing. Like everybody has a game night. Right. So to have something like this where you tie hip hop in is, is super dope. Right. And so, you know, I used to be an event planner prior to, you know, starting this journey. And that's really one of my passions uh, is like to see people have a good time together. Um, And then the learning aspect of it was like, okay, so what's better than having people laugh and learn at the same time? That's pretty dope, especially in an era where like, you know, cell phones are really corrupting our brains and we're not really learning. Our ability to retain information is really decreasing. And so like, you know, you have to actually tap into your cognitive skills and your fluid intelligence and think. And so it becomes challenging, but it's really fun at the yeah, same time. Cha- I mean, we got to use proper English. It's, <laughs> that's pretty challenging. So, <laughs> so all right, so, so, you, so you come with the idea and it's yeah. in the family, but what's the next steps to actually make it into the business? 
So, um, so it's crazy. So it was just idea. Then it was a word document that I just like started to, I really, this is God working through me. Okay. Because I have no experience whatsoever. I went to school for marketing. Um, but as far as game development, I went and bought maybe like 10 games, um, all different games. And I just kind of laid them out, looked at the, how to play the methodology. And then I just started researching like how to create a game. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, whatever you want to create, like there's so much information online. There's really no excuse of why someone can't do something because everything's online. Um, you know, a general blueprint of how to do it. And then you just modify as you go. But um, really, it was like the methodology on the how to play. And then I just started putting together. And then I started organizing these focus groups with just friends and family, different people, whoever would have me. Like I was just calling people. Mm -hmm. So I organized over a period of like three years maybe like 70 focus groups. I would just host house parties. I would crash parties. I would bring the game. I'd ask people if they would play. The crazy thing is it did not look like this. It was in a shoebox. The <laughs> packaging was terrible. Um, the music, I had it on this big, bulky microphone thing. Uh, in, in my mind, I'm drawing this up. Yeah, like, it was Here crazy. comes Chantel with a shoebox <laughs> and a speaker inside. Yes. So th this is why your event planning comes into play, right? Like mm -hmm. you're organizing people with a prototype. Mm -hmm. Were they looking at you like you're crazy? Never. Never? They were always really receptive. And I mean, I, I believe that's one of the things that made me keep going. Like I have something yeah. because I would really, you know, people had a great time and so they would be like you really had something and then I would have them fill out a little survey like what did you think what would you change what would you you know and so at the end of like three years as I kept going I had a big stack of what I needed to change and I would just modify it as I go and then um when I moved to New York in 2014 so I I moved to New York with the sole purpose of like just growing the business and really taking it to the next level because I had hit a ceiling in Boston where I'm from and I just felt like I couldn't grow there so I was like this is a game for hip-hop I'm moving to New York the birthplace of hip-hop hip yeah I was like <laughs> I gotta go to New York because that's <laughs> where it's gonna blow and so I moved here and just things started happening for me so it's really been a great blessing so anyway I was still in prototype phase when I moved to New York and then um I mean, I moved here with absolutely nothing. I don't know if other people heard my story, but I moved here with, I left a very comfortable situation in Boston to move here with nothing. I was like, stayed in a shelter. And um, I found this really dope accelerator program that had all these uh, uh, different pitch competitions and they you know, prepared me for the pitch competitions. And I won all of them, and so I was able to get some seed capital to hire a professional packaging designer. And she just so happened to have worked for Hasbro. Can we talk about what a pitch competition is? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so like, what? How do you find them? Like, what is what is the preparation for it? What is that like going through it? So pitch competitions are everywhere. You can go on like um, for any entrepreneur trying to like just see if their business has any feasibility um there are meetups in every state so meetup.com that's where i discovered these different like pitch meetups and there'll always be investors there who will give you feedback just like shark tank little mm -hmm. mini shark tank events in every state and like i said meetup.com you can find them right on there that's where i found them and um the way you prepare is um, you watch a lot of Shark Tank. <laughs> That's what I did. No, you know, 
Honestly, yeah. I, watching Shark Tank is really what prepared me. So for a lot, that. a lot of nights in the mirror, like preparing yes, the speech. Yes, and just you know, there's a lot of information online, especially now after Shark Tank's been so successful. Like had the perfect pitch, how short it should be, how quick, um, you know, how quick you have to engage and just you know tell the investor the problem you're trying to solve and you know why you're the solution, and so. Um, you know, my angle was there's nothing like this. Board games are recession proof. You know, like all those things that are unique about the product. Um, yeah, and I won three of them, and it was it was just super dope. And like I said, I was able to get enough money to. How much money did you get? Over twenty thousand. Okay. I won three different competitions, and it was cumulative of about twenty thousand dollars. And uh, I was able to hire a professional packaging developer who worked for Hasbro. And then I had this professional packaging. And then the next step was I did an Indiegogo campaign. Because I was, I was sure at that point, like, I officially have a product I can sell yeah. and bring to the marketplace. And I know it will sell. Can you just explain what Indiegogo is? Yeah. So Indiegogo is like Kickstarter. It's a crowdfunding um, campaign where you test out your your idea or your product to see if there's a need for it like if people will actually buy it people you don't know because we know your family and friends are going to support you maybe right <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of times friends and family can be biased because they love you but these this is for people who don't know you you know who actually are really might be interested in the product you have and it really tests to see um to give you some successful traction and that's what it did so I just want to really speak to people about uh, crowdfunding campaigns. They're really, really important. That's really the first step before you go out there and put a bunch of money into something you don't know is going to work. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so you got to organize a campaign. There's a lot of planning that goes into that. I mean, it, it took me maybe like eight months to prepare for that, of just gathering people's information, all the people I, I focus group tested. I had all their emails and just different events. I had people networking. I had saved so much, maybe like 2,000 names. And so that was really like the core of of my um, Indiegogo my campaign. Indiegogo yeah. So campaign. I, like the, I like the idea that you said that you did the focus groups, mm -hmm. going back to that, because that's something that even like major corporations do. But it's like you got to be creative as an entrepreneur. So to start out small and to say, okay, well, I have friends and family in the area and I'll just have like house parties. You see that like with jury mm -hmm. stuff mm -hmm. like that. And it's like, you're actually testing it and hopefully you get like honest feedback and then you can kind of tweak it. That's people pay millions of dollars for market research. That's what it is, market research. Right. So before, and that's important too. A lot of times people have idea and they just go to, to the public with it, but it's not tested yet. Right. So you're testing it in a small sample size before you're actually taking it. And then I like the idea that you said that you kept the data. We talk about data a lot. Yeah. Kept yeah. the data of Gold. everybody. So now when you finally have it worked out, you can reach out to those people to see if they want to support financially. Right. Because mm -hmm. you know them and they've already, you know, tried the product out. So they'll probably be more receptive to financially support than somebody that doesn't know it, have never heard of it before. Right. Now, do you have a team or are you doing this all independent? Because this sounds like a lot. Uh. It is a lot. Um, sometimes I think back of like how far I've come and how much work I've actually done. Because people are like, you deserve, you know, the success you're having now. You've worked really hard, and I'm just like, 
you know, a lot of times it didn't feel like work because it's my passion. So it's felt like, you know, just good. Mm -hmm. But when I think about how much work I've actually like those years of those focus groups, you know, yeah. having no money, all the chicken I baked for those, <laughs> <laughs> those house parties, you know, shout out to my sister who helped me with the chicken. But, um, <laughs> you know, just I've, I've put so much work and time, sweat equity into it and my own capital, obviously. Um, uh, but what was the question? I'm sorry. So how much money were you able to raise from uh, Indiegogo? Uh, $11,000. And so I pre-sold. My goal was ten. That's always kind of a good place to start, $10,000. Um, a lot of people see these crowdfunding campaigns who have, like, raised millions of dollars. And mm -hmm. that's, like, they put so much money into the marketing for those things. But a good rule of thumb is kind of start at the 10000 level. Um, and, again, having that data of, a core, you know, list of people who you know will probably support the product is really good, and then just the right commercials. A lot of things that go into it, the planning process. So never, never just think you're gonna throw up a video and a bunch of people. The money's gonna come falling in and a windfall. From That's Indi not Indiegogo. Correct. So you had to make a commercial. Yes, had to make a commercial. How did you do that? What was the process for doing that? Um, I hired a videographer. I just like, did you write the own? Did you I write did the it. I, I wrote everything. You guys, <laughs> so can I tell check doing it everything. Out. She's doing everything. <laughs> you, I'm, I'm a Wonder Woman. <laughs> She's doing up. it all. So, uh, you can check it out. It's still up on YouTube. But I organized people. I like did this scene where I crashed a, a game night and I took the cards out their hand. And I was like, Nah, y'all need this. <laughs> <laughs> it was so corny, but it was funny and like it really got a response out of people so I ended up pre-selling 300 units of the game based on just one prototype that I had so on Indiegogo you it's like a, a million different things so mm -hmm. how do you get placed like you place yourself you just upload your well video I mean like as category. far as like all right I go to Indiegogo mm -hmm. like I assume the most popular the ones with the most traction is gonna be on the first page or do it like you type in like game or is that like under categories stuff like right. that like how does it's that work it's categories based um, off of categories yep yeah, it's board games then there's video games and they have toys and they have projects they have um it's basically like um what's that GoFundMe hmm. but for businesses so you could do a GoFundMe too people have done that um but Indiegogo specifically and Kickstarter um, are where, you know, most like products launch. But the, the difference between Kickstarter, which is way more well-known than Indiegogo, is that Kickstarter has an all-money-in rule where like you have to raise that fundraising goal or all the money goes back to the backers. Even if you're like a dollar under your goal, all the money will go back if you didn't raise your goal. Indiegogo, you get to keep all the money you raise. And it, they become equity partners, right? No. They're not, it's not? No, not at all. Okay. Just a percentage? There are a couple of other crowdfunding, um, I believe, sites that do take equity, but not, not Indiegogo or Kickstarter. So it's just support. What, yeah. Do they get anything for it? They do get a percentage, yes. Okay. A percentage of the game. They get a percentage of the total so amount you, that you raise. Okay. Oh, so, like, if you raise 10000 and they take 3% or something mm -hmm, like that. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. No, I'm talking they about They get 8%. Indiegogo the, took 8%. The people that pay. They're just oh, paying yeah. just to support so or they get they a product? Get, they actually get... So, there's different levels. Sorry, I skipped that part. So, there's different levels of, of backing uh, packages that you offer to your people. So, it might for $5, you get a thank you. For, you know, a dollar, you get a shout out on whatever. Um, and then I had, you could get one game. Some people got two games. 
two games and a t-shirt. Um, the $1,000 level was four games, and then I would give a small donation to the Boys and Girls Club. Um, so it had a philanthropic edge to it. Um, and so that's how you design your packages um, that you know, to best intrigue your, your backers, I guess. Okay. So you raised the 10,000, mm -hmm. you got a 20,000 originally, which helped you. Then you raised an additional 10,000. Yes. So now you're like 30,000 that you raised. Yep. So what happens after that? I'm living in New York and I'm blowing through that. <laughs> <laughs> blowing money fast. <laughs> um, so what happened after that? So after that, uh, after, so I had a rough time. So after the, the campaign was over. Um, now it was manufacturing, right? Mm -hmm. And so finding the manufacturer. So I, if you've ever manufactured a product or tried to get a, a product developed in the U.S., you know the pricing compared to China is like a huge difference, right? So for me to uh, produce this product here in the U.S. would be about $15 a unit versus China where it's five. Right. So I had to find a manufacturer in China who was like, um, and I was recommended, thank God I had like a kind of an agent at the time who was trying to help me shop the game um, for a licensing deal. And so he knew people and he introduced me to a great manufacturer in China and I just got really lucky. But I did everything, which is crazy, via email. Never had one conversation with these people um, to come up with the proper specs and everything I wanted. And... Um, it was really seamless dealing with them. It was a quick process? Yeah, okay. it, it was very quick. They send you a sample, and then you go back and forth about you know the, spe the specifics you want, and then you come up with the final product. What It took a whole year, though, to get the Indiegogo um, packages to my people, though, because this game has so much copy in it that we kept finding mistakes, and every time I found a mistake, I would have to you know stop the production process, oh. have my graphic designer fix it, resend. So it was like, that was a real like tedious nightmare. Um, and so we finally kind of got it right. And you know what? Sometimes I still find little errors once in a while and I'll just fix it the next time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being honest. Like little tiny ones. I'm very detail oriented, but it's like this game has over 2,000 words in it, you yeah. know, alone. And then just all the, but these are the things a lot of people don't know. There's plenty of products on shelves. There's like little. That's the updated version. <laughs> <laughs> we got the updated version. <laughs> right. Yeah, this is perfect now. So Anything you get now is perfect. So when you first started selling, you were selling it direct to consumer online or? Yeah, hand -hand uh, or? I was direct to consumer online. Yep. And then um, I, I started immediately like going after stores. So like I got into a couple of stores in, um, in New Jersey, I think was my first retailer. Um, and then I was in Boston, and then, you know, now I'm in 45 stores now. So when you go to stores, how does that work? Is it like on consignment, or they, they, they no. have to buy it from you? They buy it from me, case order. Uh, Ten units is the minimum. And, you know, I really try to push two units on a store. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, you could you, when you have, like, when you're shopping it to, like, chain stores, like uh, Newberry Comics, who's one of my, my biggest chain stores right now, they'll buy a couple of cases per store. So that's when the money starts to come in. The when cases. They're selling, you know, and they're going through them and they're reordering. That's now you, uh, you're shipping those out yourself. Correct. So you're the distributor. I'm the everything. <laughs> I'm the wonder woman. So you're getting it from China. Mm -hmm. What's the turnaround time for that? 45 days, 45 days. Yeah. And it was like, okay. Yeah. So, so let me tell you this last Christmas, 
um, we were late on the on getting it in. So for holiday, you have to have your orders in to China by like June in order to get it here on time oh, for, wow. for October because everybody's shipping at that time. And so this past year, I missed the mark. And so I had to have the games shipped to California, picked up by a truck and, and uh, transported here to Jersey in order to get it here in 14 days. Because if it ships to the east side, uh, to the east coast from China, because it has to go um, around Africa, it takes a full month to do that. Oh, wow. So how is it now with the coronavirus? Yeah, I'm thinking now, like... Yeah, so that's funny you ask. Um, I think a lot of companies are going to be affected by it, but my manufacturer, who I just touched base with a couple of days ago, said that they're fine so far. Okay. Yeah, but, um, you know, I can imagine if it really gets out of control that it, it might be a problem for some other business owners. Yeah, I mean, if it does, it is to a manufacturer here in the States an option for you, or it's going to try to... I can't even think of that. No. no. So that's a good, that brings up a broader point because a lot of yeah. times, people, especially like the political season and like Apple things of that nature. I remember a few years ago, I'm like, it's like bring jobs back to America, produce stuff in America. And I remember I forgot who it was, but I think it was, um, I think it was with Tim Cook or one of these guys, and he was saying impossible. Like you can't, we can't because the can't the compete. the the cost in China and Asia. It's not even possible. Right. Like to make a profit in America is so much higher. Um, yeah, that's true. On, on your level. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, at 5,000 units, I order these. I'm paying like, you know, $4 landed here. Per unit. Delivered. Yeah. Um, if shipping I were, and everything. Shipping and everything. Yeah. So, if I were to get this produced here, like I told you, the starting price is $15 per unit versus four. Not including shipping. Not including shipping. <laughs> so you're looking so at like twenty I, twenty dollars. So I would a have unit. to yeah, and so I would have to charge my customer, right. you know, fifty dollars. Exactly, that's what I'm thinking. Like the, the price of the the game's gonna have to go up. Right. Which yeah. no one's gonna buy the game for fifty dollars. So <laughs> you know, it's gonna be a tough sell. <laughs> yeah. So I feel bad for whoever may be affected, but let's hope it, it gets contained and. We don't have these issues. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's something, like I said, something to think on a broader scale, too, for businesses. Like, we have to find a way to to compete because it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And more and more products is just going to be made in, in Asia and China because it just makes sense financially. Yeah. I mean, it just you, is what it you're is. You're trying to make a profit. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, in the next segment, we're going to talk about the business behind gaming industry it's a billion dollar industry so yeah man i think we've all been part of it yeah <laughs> something that people should be aware of all right so you're gonna talk some something about the business but i had a question so yeah you said that um big box what is big box what is that big box are you know your targets walmart's barnes and nobles okay the so huge department stores big retail stores yeah Okay, so there's only three black game makers that are in the- so uh no so when it comes to the board game category, I'm the first black female board game inventor with a provisional patent. So I've gotten some backlash with people saying, no, my homegirl invented a game and you ain't the first black. And I'm like, okay, well, I've never seen her game. And if you did not do the work to get it in stores, to get a patent, to yeah. do everything you need to do to get the exposure, to make it a real product, then... 
I'm sorry, we're gonna just argue so, about that. I mean, I'm th like thinking about that, like the intellectual property piece of it. Right. How long did that process take, and what exactly did you trademark and make yeah, yours? Yeah, so I have three uh, protections on this. So it's copywritten. That means every single word you see has been copywritten, submitted to the database of copywritten literary pieces. You have so. to do that individually? Well, the so the how to play. No, okay. I'm saying like not each And the work. cards. Okay, okay. So all the cards in there and the how to play okay. document. Gotcha. That's copywritten. It's, I own it. My name is on it. You can't uh, plagiarize or duplicate it. Okay. And then um, there's a provisional patent. And so there's... There's two types of patents you can get on a product. It's a utility patent or a design patent. And so a provisional patent is the first step, which protects you for a full year. It's very cheap for a small business with not a big budget. It's like a, a poor man's patent, basically. Um, and you can keep renewing your provisional patent year after year after year for a very small price just to protect your uh invention mm -hmm. um and so i recommend that to everybody and this is something like i did all on myself because i like to read and so you know a lot of times we waste a lot of money paying folks to do things where we can really just do it ourselves if we just read and so that's why <laughs> i am a huge advocate for literacy because read on. a lot of service businesses make money off like people's laziness to not want to read you know um, and so it, it's provisionally patented, it has a copyright, and it has a trademark. So what's pro what provisionally patent mean? That's the temporary one that you have to renew every single year. Okay. Okay. And so, like, I don't know if you watch Shark Tank, but you'll, you'll often see, hear people say, um, I have, it's patent pending, which is the same thing. It's a provisional patent. Even on products, sometimes you'll see patent pending, and that just means they have a provisional patent on the product. Does it ever become permanent? Yes, it can if you want to. And that's like, that costs a lot more money to turn it in. And it's very long. It can take like five to seven years. To make it permanent? To make it permanent, yeah. Um, I don't know why it takes that long. Uh, I guess they go through the whole database to make sure it's really, you know, unique in your product. Um, but a provisional patent really is fine to protect How much your does product. a provisional patent cost? $65. That's okay. not, that's not. Yeah, it's nothing. You did it yourself or you had a lawyer? Yeah, no, I did it myself. <laughs> Okay. Mm -hmm. so you read the law book. Tra <laughs> yeah. The trademark also? Yes, I did the trademark myself. And uh, people should know also when you're trademarking a product, there's two. There's a state-level trademark, and then there's a national trademark um, that's permanent. And so I have a national trademark uh, through the government, and it gets published in what's called the Gazette. And that's where like any company can just type your name in the database, and it, it comes up. What, what about globally? So like if... I, you said the national, obviously. So, like somebody in London decides to come up it's with this, it's not protected overseas. No, okay. it's not. Don't try that, Joe. Yeah, right. <laughs> Don't try it. We <laughs> coming to London. We're we gonna be <laughs> in the store. For sure. <laughs> and I do worry about that, yeah. honestly, because you know I made my Chinese manufacturer sign an NDA. I don't. I don't know. People are like, oh, that won't even protect you if they want to do it. They'll do it. But right. It's like I made them sign an NDA saying you will not, you know, duplicate this. Yeah, product. we see that happen a lot in, in clothes for sure. Like mm -hmm. the people who create clothes here, mm -hmm. and um, you don't trademark it in every country, and it pops up in another country. It's like, oh, that's mine. Well, right. we protect it in that country. Yeah, I think clothes are a, a lot easier than a product. But if I see this game bootleg <laughs> selling on Canal, we got a problem. 
Canal Street. Shout out to Canal Street. So you got to deal with Target, right? I did. Can you talk about that? Big yeah, box. Yeah, so excited. So, um, yep, Target just committed last week to 400 store test um, this June. And it's really exciting for me because, as I mentioned, I am one of three um, black toy company in the toy space who have ever made it to big box. So the Lonnie Johnson, the Dr. Lisa Williams, she had a, a, a doll line. I think I said games, but she has yeah. a doll line. Lonnie Johnson invented the super soaker and I invented this dope game. And so um, it's really exciting. Um, one of the things I spoke to black enterprise about was like the fact that you know, black owned businesses occupy less than 1% of the space and big box. And it's like, are we just not, you know, trying to get in there mm -hmm. or are we being shut out or like, and, and I really don't know the answer. I just know when I started developing the product, that was always my goal was to get in big box and achieve that. Big so. box. So you said it's, it's a two year process, but it has a lot to do with when you submit in to be a part of the big box company, right? Yeah. So I won a pitch competition with Target. Um, and they flew me down to Dallas and I got to pitch the whole Target team and they really loved it. And so it was a deal two years in the making that, that just closed. And so I'm, I'm just, I couldn't be more grateful for the opportunity. Just like when I walk in Target and I, cause I used to go in Target in the, in the developing process and just stand in front and manifest and be like, my game's going to be on these shelves. I swear to God, it's crazy. I would just start putting it up on the shelf. I, yeah, I did that. <laughs> I have pictures back in the day on my Facebook of me putting the game on the shelf and saying um, game nights, you know, next big game. Yo, y'all try that new game on that shelf, yo? <laughs> no, that's dope. That's right. <laughs> so, so how does that work as far as like the distribution? They, um, it's the same thing as a store. They just buy in bulk more or yeah, you have they, to, they, yeah, how does that work? They buy it in bulk uh, from a distributor. So I, I have to work through a distributor. Um, big boxes don't buy directly from, from you. you. You have to work with a distributor who knows all the compliances and the shipment. And, you know, it's like all this paperwork process. You and then the distributor gets a portion. Correct. Okay. So is it still getting shipped from China? Same th same factory or different mm -hmm. factory? Now? No, same. Same, same factory, factory, except for now it's just you're not involved in, in that process anymore. It's going from the factory to the distributor. Correct. Okay. And then the distributor is distributing it to Target. Correct. Okay. So how do they do, do they like see like how it does that first or they give you a commitment that we're going to buy this amount first and then. What do you mean? Do they say like, that? all right, they said like we want to buy 5,000 mm -hmm. games, right? Do they do that all up front or they say, okay, we buy the first thousand. See how it goes. Oh, got okay. what you're saying. No. Yeah. So they, they, um, submit a PO for a certain quantity and, um, you have to deliver. And then after the delivery is when you get paid. Um, so it's not even like you get a check right after the purchase order. Some companies are like 90 days, but I think Target is like 120 days. Okay. Wow. Yeah, big boxes. Is, the bigger you get, the longer it takes for you to get your money. Ain't that something? <laughs> <laughs> so what's the what's the success like? What would be a success as far as like 70% of the of them of the game sell 80? Like what's looked at? We going as, for 100. I mean, they have to they have to be moving quickly in order for them to reorder. And that's the point. You want right, them the to reorder, reorder right, quickly. Reorder. And so so you, what happens is your distributor keeps a large quantity on deck so that when the order sells out from Target, they can just fulfill quickly. 
Gotcha. So the distributor buys from me a larger quantity than what Target is purchasing so that they always have enough to replenish. What about uh, licensing in the toy industry? I know there's, there's like the big four, like Hasbro, Mattel, mm -hmm. Lego, and uh, who else? Mm -hmm. uh, so in the game space. Is, is that something you, you've ever thought about? Well, yeah, I've actually been offered two licensing deals that I turned down um, this past summer uh, in 2019. I was... So the, the big game companies are um, Spin Master is actually second to Hasbro, and they offered me a licensing deal, and I did not take it mm. um, because I'm a new product, and you know my sales weren't extraordinary enough for me to have a lot of leverage with that negotiation. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and I just believe in myself that I can do it. But when in the beginning, a licensing deal is not going to be lucrative because they're totally just like trying to i feel take advantage even though they have the distribution the worldwide distribution they do have it and it would have been you know a great opportunity if the numbers worked but i'm somebody who like believes in myself and my abilities so i believe like i can sell a million units on my own and so that's what then then i'll have more negotiating power that is going to be different then right yeah. <laughs> nice Thoughts as far as um, some people will say, like, everything should be got direct to consumer. Because obviously, when you get bigger, like you said, now you got a distribution, you got to split mm -hmm. some profits with them. So, was that something that you thought about, or it was like a no brainer once you target? It was like, I got to go through this. I mean, direct to consumer is, is great. And it really is the the bread and butter because that's where your margins are at. You know what I mean? Like, you make the most selling direct. Uh, cutting out all those people, but the big boxes where you get, you know, 50,000 units at one time. I mean, that's, that's crazy. So I, I like to spread it. You know what I mean? I, I like to walk into a store and see my product in a store. Like I did that. That's, that's us right there. Cause it's for the culture. It's for the community. It's a black owned product. So it means a lot for me to be able to see that and do that and show other people that it can be done. So if you sign on like one big box, is it like exclusive? Like, can you go to Walmart now or you can only go to Target? I can. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's no exclusivity in it? No. So hit with it. just hit a lick with the box. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so th this has been a 10-year journey. Yeah. Um, not always ups, a lot of downs. And as a few times you, you thought like, I'm, I'm done with this. I can't do this anymore. You want to talk about some of the pitfalls you've had? Yeah. <laughs> As she reminisces. <laughs> yeah, there there've been a lot. Um so there was uh four times I can think of where I was I was really ready to quit, like completely give up. I like shelved the game. I was just like done because, you know, 10 years is a long time. And even though you know, I've always had the passion for it. Really working with the kids is really what has kept me going. Because um, my program I mentioned that I run at the Boys and Girls Club when I work with kids is just, the kids are my happy place. I love children. So uh, playing with the kids and seeing them, you know, engaged and getting excited and, you know, come to my program and be excited to play and learn, that's really rewarding for me. But, um I would say the the most, uh, the deepest time, like when I was really gonna give up the last time was last year. And that was in 2019, um, right before Nipsey Hussle died. I had just finished a real estate, my real estate classes. So I was gonna be a real estate agent. Mm -hmm. And um, 
I was like, I'm, I'm done with this, you know? Because the year before, I had some issues with inventory again. I didn't get my inventory. Was, my inventory was stuck in customs for two months, and I didn't get it out. And it was just some random <laughs> thing. Like, I didn't do anything wrong. It was just, like, some random thing. Someone didn't do their job, and I actually had to go in there and do their job for them and to get my shit released. And I was, like, just done because my inventory didn't get released until two days after Christmas. So I had missed the whole holiday. Oh, wow. And none of my retailers had product, and they were like, what's going on? It just made me look so bad, you know? Ouch. And I was just, like, done. Because at that point, too, you know, like, I, I've been broke for a very long time, mm -hmm. you know, just putting everything I have into the business and making it work. And so um, I was going to be a real estate agent, and I was done with the product. And I swear, like, every time I've wanted to give up, like, God will just throw me these lifelines, like, out of the blue. Like, mm -hmm. no, like, this is here. We're, this is what you're here to do. And so... I, um, Nipsey Hussle died and I already knew who Nipsey was because I am a hip hop head and I had heard him on like a lot of motivational stuff, but I didn't get a chance to look at that, like to listen to the album. Mm -hmm. And when he died, obviously I got to listen to the album and that album like inspired me in a whole nother level that I had never Victory been inspired. Yeah. Yeah. Classic. That I had never been inspired, like dedication. And young niggas, like, the, <laughs> like yeah. I, I mean, it's just like, I always get emotional when I think about it. Because I remember, like, where I was at, like, spiritually, how I felt, um, and then how the album made me just, like, get back on it and be like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm here to do this. And I met Charlemagne, the God, like, two weeks later. And then, like, life has just been really great since then. <laughs> yeah, how, how, how do you, he's been a supporter, right? Yeah, he's a, he's a big supporter of the game. He's, like, he's helped me so much just because he believes in the product, he believes in me, and he's just been a big, big supporter. In how, it. You, how'd you meet him? So I used to be a bartender for this catering Yo, company. So, so I got like seven jobs, yeah, bro. <laughs> like, real estate agent, bartender, event planner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. Um, I was a bartender for this um, high-end catering company in New York, and we only, you know, did, like, really five-star events in the city. Mm -hmm. And so every event we did, there was always, like, celebrities there. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to take these... Because we're not... Because they're always high-profile, they always tell us we can't do certain things, you know, because mm -hmm. a lot of the people I work with, they're, like, actors and actresses, and everybody's always trying to get on, you know? And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to bring my game to every event I work and, and see if something happens. So the day I met Charlemagne, it was a Radio City Hall event. I think it was like the YouTube Awards or something. And I actually, I don't even think he knows this, that I was working. Like, I... <laughs> I was working. I was a bartender. Like, but he was I in the saw room. him in he the was... bar, and I was like, yo, that's Charlemagne. I left my post. I was like, I might get fired today. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and I went downstairs, and you should have seen how many stairs. I don't know if you've ever been to Radio City or Music Hall, but there's mad steps. And I had to go all the way to the basement, back up. I ran down, got the game, came back up, and walked up on him and just, like, pitched him. 
and I was like, you know, I really love to come on the Brilliant Idiots and talk about. I wanted to say the Breakfast Club, but I was like, he ain't gonna have me on there. I'm not that big yet, you know. But um, I was like, you know, I really would love to come talk about my product, and he was like, he was like, okay, yeah, and I was like, just yeah, yeah, like that is that. it. And you know, I've I've met a lot of celebrities before, so I didn't know if he was if he was BSing me or not. But he gave me his number like right on the spot. We exchanged personal information. I was like, oh shit, he's not playing. He's rocking with you. You know, he's <laughs> rocking with me. And I, that was like so real. And I just really appreciate him for that. Because when, after that interview aired, I sold like 400 units the next day. And then every day after that, it just started trickling down. But I mean, that interview alone with nothing else got me through like the whole summer with sales, consistent sales. And it's just crazy the power of like what an interview can do. Yeah. And the power of his influence. Yeah. And that's a, that's a great story because it's like a lot of times people are scared mm-hmm. or they just, you know, make it, they psych themselves out in their head like this person's not going to want to <laughs> listen to me, whatever. Yeah. But it's like worst possible case scenario. You just you're back to where you originally started. And it's like they just brush you off and it's like, all right, but you would have never spoken to them anyway. Yeah. Right. But best possible case scenario could be change life changing. Man, and it really was. And um I really encourage people just, you know, the the fear is what prevents us from always moving and moving on things or doing things. And I know one of my biggest character uh um characteristics one of the best ones that has gotten me to where i am is i'm very fearless like i'll do um apparently yeah (laughs) (laughs) so i used to direct that energy in the wrong way but now i directed it the right way and i just like you know i go for it and i've hardly ever been told no in my life and i I always i come from a place of yes so i always believe someone's gonna tell me yes there you go so you are also the publisher of this game now we we spoke uh, to Ash Cash, I'll tell Brother Ash Cash about publishing a book. Mm-hmm. What's the different? Like, what is the process of publishing an actual game? So publishing really isn't that much different from like, um, like licensing. If someone offers you a licensing deal, publishing deal, they're all like wait, like vehicles for another company to get your product out to the masses. Mm -hmm. But when you self-publish, it's just you're doing everything on your own. So I'm the marketer. I am the, I'm the everything. I'm the CEO, I'm the CFO, I'm the COO, I'm all that um, for the game. And so I don't really need anybody like that. I do need a team. um, And so I'm working on that right now, like a a marketing team Mm -hmm. to kind of, we're learning the digital marketing and the um, customer acquisition and the conversion rates and all that science right now. And so I'm building a company. I don't, and I self-publish. I don't, I don't need anybody. So can other uh, board game developers come under your publishing company or? How's no, I'm not. I'm not at that point yet. Okay. Yeah, I'm not offering that service yet. Gotcha. Damn, I think he might have just gave me. <laughs> <laughs> Light bulb went off. We, we, right. We, 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 we trying to send you some business. Right. Thank All you. right. So you got the the business side of it. And so the last time we're gonna talk about the scaling model. We're gonna go into depth about the actual inner workings of the game. Um. Okay. So can we talk about the game in a little detail? So it's a board game. It is. Right. But it uses hip hop lyrics, like from like rappers. No, it it's just uh, random kind of phrases that are kid friendly. Um, or if you're playing with adults, you can 
you know, make it adult version, which it always goes <laughs> there. Um, but so basically there's these three levels of difficulty, easy, intermediate, and intellectual, and you get a kickoff rhyme verse. So the two teams battle each other, you get a kickoff rhyme verse, and it might say like, um, I like to meditate or something. And then your team has 60 seconds, and each person on the team has to freestyle their own bar like one creative sentence the last word has to rhyme with meditate so meditate is like intellectual level that's an that's example. tough i'm thinking like yo come on it's really not though <laughs> meditate so, hate wait rate see i mean i'm go. a hip-hop head right so you already got it <laughs> <laughs> so it's a rhyming game you know and so yeah so it's a rap cypher game there's a microphone there's an app you download that plays the music instrumentals or you can go to our YouTube page and all there's a bunch of um, instrumentals there and you guys are just basically freestyle rapping but the catch is no slang you have to use a proper English word and uh, you get points that's tough so if you use slang what like how does that you disqualify I mean you just don't get a point okay but people often do it but and it's what makes the game fun because then it's like you get into the debating like that wasn't a word and you know, it gets it, it's a the drinking game version of it, <laughs> where if you don't get if you don't hit the rhyme word, you got to take a shot. It's like really fun. But the beauty of the product is it's very versatile because it's an adult party game, or it's for kids in the family, or teachers can use it in their classroom. It's great for artist development. It's like a great corporate icebreaker. It's just really dynamic. Yeah, I'm thinking like when you said in the classroom, I'm thinking like especially like on Fridays. I'm in elementary school, like Friday afternoons. Mm -hmm. It's just like game time, like especially in the lower grades. But like, right. this is definitely somewhere where they can use some some of the words and even teaching spelling words, mm -hmm. right? Like after you use the word, like right. trying to spell it. Like I think it's, this is a great idea. Spell Are you words. creating deals with uh, school districts, or is that something? So that's like uh, this year. I'm really focused on the educational sector and like that revenue stream because. Mm -hmm. Over the holiday, I had two principals order like bulk orders for their school and talk mm. to me about how like they get a budget and they can order like, you know, a whole school district can order cases of games. Yeah. And it was it's I mean, I always games. knew it was there, but I'm really paying attention to it now, yeah. like because it's a unique product that every teacher wants for downtime in yeah. their classroom. There's definitely a bunch. Like, I see it every year. It's the same games that come in. It's like shoots and ladders, Monopoly. It's the same games every year. Right. You know what happens to the game? It gets destroyed, and they just reorder it. Right. But if they do like something like this, it's going to be obviously like, yo, the teacher can keep this on their desk. Right. Or in their desk, and it's like, we can and use And the kids will actually request to play it. Exactly. No one's requesting shooting some ladders. It, it's, <laughs> <laughs> no, so I'm joking. No, nah, it's a fact. No, nobody, nah, nobody's it's, playing. It's dope, too. Hungry, hungry, like, hippo, none of that. <laughs> lyricists back in the days at least they used to like actually read like to improve their rhyming skills like I remember like I forgot I think I was somebody was talking about I used to read the dictionary yes. to learn different words to J2, help yep. the wordplay um, mm -hmm. so a lot of times people look at rap and it's like now a lot of rappers <laughs> don't really do that probably but originally the successful ones do though like i watched every breakfast club interview and i think like little the baby was like the last one i watched and he was just talking about how much he reads and you can hear it in his lyrics you can hear who reads and who doesn't <laughs> you know what i mean because the uh, a great lyricist is very smart is very intelligent like there's there's definitely like intellect behind. Yeah, I mean, there's still some lyricists yeah, she, out there, J. You, Cole, and you gave us your top. You didn't hear the her top five. Mm -hmm. You want you want to give us your top five real quick? Oh, my top five. No I, pressure. Yeah, yeah, I'm good because it will never change. 
Go ahead. Tell, who, go ahead. <laughs> give, give them five. No order. Your top five. Go. Uh, no order. Well, Hove is number one. Nas, Pac, Black Thought, and the Rizza, the Jizza, the <laughs> old dirty bastard. You got Rayquan, the chef, and... M-E-T-H-O-D. So the whole Wu-Tang? <laughs> yes. The whole Wu-Tang. The whole Wu-Tang. Whole... He said I couldn't get that, that, but I mean, it's the whole Wu-Tang. I can't. All right, so you're 90s. <laughs> yeah, she's an Stuck 80s baby girl in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Good. So sure. good. But yeah, I mean, I think some rappers, like like I said, the J. Coles of the world, the Kendrick Lamar's of the world. Absolutely. Where they lyricists, they, they take pride. Even Drake takes pride in like, mm-hmm. what they... What they put Those out. Those guys are in my top ten for top sure. Mm-hmm. Jay Electronica is another guy. Oh my god, I wish we could hear more from him. <laughs> it's coming. Album's coming. I, I, yeah. heard. I got the countdown on my phone. When you put the forty day tweet, I yeah, put a countdown. I'm so, so excited about that. We got twenty seven days left. Because <laughs> that Exhibit C is one of my favorite songs. Of all, yeah, Exhibit A and C, I think, mm-hmm. is just incredible. So really? it's dope. Yeah. It's like even a platform for the podcast. A lot of the stuff that we we always use, like hip hop lyrics and stuff like that. So I think it's it's dope to actually tie in culture and mm-hmm. music with learning right um because they kind of go hand in hand like i said i mean it's gotten a little away from that now with music yeah. you could just make up a word if you want mm-hmm. but <laughs> i mean that's the reality i, I mean. know it is but um but and you know if it, it gets popular they actually induct it into the encyclopedia <laughs> that, for real it's crazy look at my dad <laughs> <laughs> so. dab a Look at my dad. Yep. I mean, but that's part of that's part of that, that's part of culture too. I like, too. It's yeah, like, yeah, it's part of bling. it. Right. It's like it's a word now in the dictionary. So right. bling, bling that, dictionary. I'm not even mad about that. But I mean, just like when you're just not even making a word, just like mumbling. Really, that's mm-hmm. what mumbling. Like. You could just sonic sounds, which is cool. I mean, it's a, it's a form of of music, I guess. But it's not like you're not gonna learn too much from just sonic sounds yeah. and people making with their. Yeah, we learned a lot through the music, man. Like I, t- I tell everybody, like. Shadi only talked in rhyme for like, I feel like all throughout high school. That's all he did was talk in rhyme. Like mm-hmm. if you ain't know the lyrics, then you had no idea what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. But you know, I know a lot of rap, so I'm like, I'm in tune with him. I'm like, yo. This and with children, children learn through like uh, repetition and rhyme scheme and mm-hmm. like using music as like a platform. That's how they retain information. Like, I don't know if you remember like when we used to learn, did you ever learn 50 Nifty United States? song and it was like 50 nifty united states and then, <laughs> it was a corny nah, song but because it was taught in a music platform you remembered it you that, know you did that in boston yeah nah we from new york we kind of, <laughs> <we're> kind <laughs> of different out there shout, shout out to boston though, shout too. Out to yeah, shout out to we, got, boston. we got a lot boston. of support out there shout out to the whole new england providence boston northeastern uh, fam. connecticut yeah everybody in boston the northeast strong, for sure we right. appreciate y'all so <laughs> what's the scaling model like what's the scaling idea for for the game moving forward um, well, like I said, right now we're really focused on the uh, marketing piece, learning the, the science behind the digital marketing, the SEO. The, it's, it's really important, but it is really a science and a process to like learn it. And I'm, you know, I'm not really tech savvy. I'm a creator. So mm-hmm. I'm having to learn this. Um, just so that I know what someone sells me on when I go and hire somebody to perform that duty for the business. Um, I have to know that they know what they're doing because you can definitely get, there's a lot of people who proclaim to know how to do SEO and know how to do your Google ads and the click funnels and all that. Mm -hmm. And then they really don't. So um, I'm someone who likes to learn a little bit and then go out there and find someone to do it. So that's a really big piece of the business. So 
because we can scale significantly um, if we do that right. Any thoughts of going digital at some point, like having an app for Rhyme Antic? Yeah, so there's already a, a app that acts as a pe companion to the game because it plays the music instrumentals. But um, in the beginning, I did want to do a full app version like the game Words with Friends. Mm -hmm. But now I'm actually looking into making it Alexa adaptable. Mm. There's this really cool company out of London I just learned about while I've been doing some research and they're making board games Alexa adaptable and so I'm thinking like it would be so dope to have this as an Alexa game kind of hosting the party and yeah. like Snoop Dogg's voice. <laughs> what? <laughs> 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 like that would be so cool. Like imagine like Snoop Dogg is like, Snoop Dogg's voice is like hosting the, part, uh, the, by game, the, time the you party have, game. You right? have the hologram pop up. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> Stop playing. That's dope. Oh, that would be, that would be really dope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this is dope. You have ideas to make new games or you just want to just double down on that? think about a new game i got one for you we'll talk after okay yeah. i mean i'm really good at creating games just because now i know and i have been approached by a couple of people to develop some games for them um but it's just important for me to make this one a huge success first um i do want to release future editions of it like i can do it in spanish so that will probably be an iteration i come up with uh, I can do it in French, and we can definitely do lots of themes. Yeah, I've, I've seen you uh, with some celebrities mm -hmm. doing the game. Who who was the the best at at doing romantics? Um, I would have to say Charlemagne. Yeah, yeah, Charlemagne's just funny. <laughs> <laughs> he's just off top, just funny. So he uh, he he he's really good at it. No, no. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for joining us. This is a really dope episode. I'm sure people will find value out of it. Can you tell them? how they can get the game, social media handles, all that stuff? Yeah, so I am Little Miss Calloway on Instagram, L-I-L underscore M-I-S-S-C-A-L-L-O-W-A-Y. And I just want to let everybody know, if you have questions about the invention process, I'm always like willing to help anybody. And um, people hit me up all the time, and I answer questions. And I, I do free consulting, not consulting, but I, you know, I'll, I'll guide you the best way I possibly can. Um, and uh, it's rhymeantics.com and it's rhymeantics on all social media um, handles, exactly how it's spelled R H Y M E, antics. Dope, dope. Yeah, Troy. Thank you. Troy. Yeah, shout out to everybody on uh, patreon.com. You know, that's our proud to pay program. And I want to uh, shout out SB for, you know, making this happen. Yeah, shout out to Sean. Oh, yeah, Bullard. shout out to our guy. <laughs> shout out to Sean. <laughs> Bullard, man. I appreciate the Bullard. it. The Bullard. Mm -hmm. That that is Philly's own. Shout out, shout out to Sean Bullard. That yeah, is a former the ghost, alumni. The ghost of Philly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the ghost of Sean, Philly. Man. That that was that was a great title. <laughs> yeah, but shout out to everybody on Patreon.com. Y'all know that's our proud to pay program, uh, where we offer extra services, extra episodes, transcripts, uh, early editions of the episodes. So if some people can't wait to Tuesday, they gotta have it before, so y'all can get it there. And uh, shout out to everybody who's supporting the merch on EarnYourLeisure.com. Um, everybody's been asking for our tracksuits. Those are up there. The university shirts are up there. The t-shirts are up there. And uh, we got some exclusive merch for our patrons. So patrons, be on the lookout for that. Yes, yes. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Apple yeah. channels. Um, and yeah, the merch that we have on right now, actually, EYL University merch is up there. So I got to get me some. <laughs> yeah, 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 for yeah, sure. Definitely. For sure. We got to get you a shirt. We got, we ran out of shirts? I think I got some here. Yeah, yeah. We're going to get you a shirt for sure. Um, so yes. Thank you guys for rocking with us. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. Peace.